you like conversation on a variety of topics? Feel like no one wants to talk about the things that interest you? Tired of only hearing the same political, sports, or catastrophe talk? Yeah, we feel that way too. Join two high-functioning geeks as they discuss just about anything under the sun. We can't tell you what we'll be talking about each week because we don't know where our brains will take us. It will be an interesting conversation, though, so hang on and join us. Here comes the Relentless Geekery. Start video. There you are. There you go. Okay. All right, now. Yes, I can hear you. I can see you. I'm surrounded by leaves. (laughs) <laughs> that's weird that because zencaster i mean i saw the wave you saw the wave yes. i've used zencaster uh in the last week in fact i had a really good interview on friday it was fine it was just and i haven't used it and i rebooted this morning so what's going on yeah yeah it like i was saying it, it sometimes apps don't like they set things to where they are but then they leave them even though they don't realize that it's a system setting instead of an app specific right yeah now I have found that if I have a Zoom and then later today I go on the Zencaster, a lot of times the mic won't work until I do a complete reboot. Zen or Zoom must capture the mic and not give it up. Yeah, that they're wow, you know, it, it's kind of funny because that's in this era of COVID and so forth, you would think that all the places that learn to capture screens, sound, um, or recording, they would learn to play nice, unless well, what they're saying is, let's make it inconvenient for you to use anybody but us. You know what I, I mean? I mean, that, honestly, uh, isn't that a playbook tactic out of Microsoft and Apple? I mean, we know Microsoft has done that type of stuff in the past. Exactly that. Make it yeah. just aggravating enough, you know, and or act like, hey, we know we're the only one out there, so why should we worry about anybody else? And right. then they don't, they're, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so anyway. So, uh, wow, a lot going on. So my big thing is we are leaving tomorrow for New Orleans, the first trip this year that we've both been able to go on that we had planned. (laughs) Wow. And and so this was for a conference or for a big, I think it was a conference. It's a writer's writer's world building event. So we're going down to New Orleans, a group of writers. It's only like 10 or 12 of us. We're going to... uh, create a world as a group and then everybody's going to write a short vampire story uh set within that world and we're going to compile it release it as an anthology and all the money's going to go to charity and while down there we're going to go to a vampire ball we're going to go to a vampire club and uh do a tour cemetery tour and all sorts of things get all the atmosphere to to get honestly what a great idea i've often liked shared world series you know like robert Asper did it for a long time with um not thieves world i think it's called thieves world yeah 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 Yeah. and george martin when he before the big breakthrough with game of thrones he had written successful stuff but then he did the wild cards series for like i don't know eight ten volumes or something right where it was you know he um a shared world where there's multiple different superheroes but different authors get to do their take on them expand relationships and all that kind of stuff and i've always been intrigued by Wow, you're gonna let your baby go. You're gonna yeah. you're gonna let somebody else actually, you know. So it'll be cool. You guys are doing it like on the fly. That's very impressive, actually. Very yeah. Cool. Well, okay. um, we're <laughs> actually writing our stories afterwards. Uh, we're getting everything set up. Everybody's you know, we're creating the world. The 
the shared universe aspects of it and then okay. writing a story. And the cool thing is when we did uh, Salem uh, in July, it was witches. And I wrote my witches story, turned it in, but I am altering that story a little bit to include it in my town magician universe. So I'm using the same basic story in two different places. Uh, so that, you know, helps. (laughs) Isn't there something, you know, I mean, uh, I know that authors that have done that had similarities. They're like, well, if I'm going to steal from someone, steal from the best, steal from myself. (laughs) Right. right. Now plagiarizing if it's your own good stuff. Right. Interesting. It'll be cool. If anything, going to Nolens and doing it like that vampire base and stuff, you're, you're, I don't know if the shared word would be said in New Orleans, but it's definitely a, a natural for that. You know what I right, mean? You're right. On the tours, you're going to say, just this place is dripping with history and dripping with eeriness. It's, you know it's I mean? interesting so. because the witches one, there's a couple people that wrote like something that took place in 1600 Salem with witches. Other okay. people that wrote modern witches, but some yeah. of the same shared elements. I wrote a fantasy totally set in another world, but with some yeah. of the same shared elements. So it's totally wide open to just about any. Very cool. Yeah. So like when um, the world building aspect is one of those, like when you, when you read reviews of fantasy and science fiction, that that's often a term used there. And it, and it really is like some people are good at it and some people are not. They, they have a map in their head and the, the journeys and whatever they take real time you know what i mean they don't play fast and loose with reality and if anything how they describe you know what are you're going from different climates and different geographic yeah. types and stuff like that and then often they don't do the map an enterprising fan will like do the first map of a place and and that doesn't really solidify it because i hope that the author has already had that in their mind when robert e howard wrote the conan books i don't think he had a map but then those were added afterwards yeah and I don't know, maybe a little bit of retrofitting to say, well, you can't get from Samaria to Aquilonia in a day. You know what I mean? That kind of stuff. So right. All right. I know other authors are doing this. I mean, Kindle for a while had a shared worlds uh, aspect that you could put your world and your books up there and other authors could write to that. And some yeah. big authors actually have a lot of stories out there in their world with other authors. I've talked to a couple. Uh, and I know right. another guy that took some old, and I think this was something uh, somebody else had done, you had mentioned, he took old public domain stuff, War of the Worlds, uh, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, and put it all into one universe and created an alternate history that when the Martians attacked Earth, they won and they controlled the Earth and superheroes came about because of that and set within exactly. that War of the Worlds universe that he created. Yeah. And in fact, you know, I love those kinds of things. I love where authors are so knowledgeable about past science fiction, past folklore, past mythology, that they find a way to bring it all together in a way that isn't jarringly wrong, but actually is like, yeah, they could be related, or these could be kind of contemporaneous, and they just never bumped into each other. But now that they've been forced to all be in Egypt at the same time, they would bump into each other. And so like League of Extraordinary Gentlemen by Alan Moore and and Kevin Kevin O'Neill is really good in that regard. And he's actually done it where he jumps to various different time periods. So here's Victorian level heroes. Here's 1960s heroes. He does a really, he's like encyclopedic almost in the knowledge that he has and who he brings in that would be an interesting team, but also just enough friction. And just, you know what I mean? Like he's really good at, at picking who he wants to be in that shared universe. So yeah. 
yeah, it'll be fun. So I can't wait till it gets out, gets done. I'll share links. Right. Yeah. Uh, the the witches one isn't out yet. Um, it should be soon. They had a editors uh, weekend. Jay was training some new editors this weekend, and they were using our stories to get practice on. So interesting. Be, yeah, it'll yeah. be cool to yeah. see all that. And I'll tell you, let me. Um, I would be remiss in not mentioning the whole Wolf Newton universe. This That's is the it. one. That's it. That where you know they've made it that pretty much everything that's ever happened in the history of heroes started because there was uh, an event in the sky over Wold, well, in, in England, and that um, various different babies born within that time were then given various different abilities. And because they also have a little bit of time travel, a little bit of dimensionality, that they they've really made it that everyone. Tarzan and Doc Savage and the Scarlet Pimpernel, and they're all related or at least intermixed somehow. And Philip Jose Farmer is the one that came up with this first idea. Right. But there's been so many people that have now contributed to it that it's it's kind of like the aristocrats joke where every author has their take on it. And it's like, is there anybody that hasn't written a story in this universe at some time? And, right and it's cool. Intriguing concept, you know? And it's, and it's cool because it's not really trademarked, it's kind of open source public domain. So he kind Almost of from the start. That's yeah, exactly right. You yeah. know, so yeah. it's not like you couldn't write for it because nobody really owns the whole thing, it, which is, you know, if you're a Linux advocate, that, that type of writing kind of appeals to that. That's but right. You run into the same type of problem where people are like, well, every author should write their books for free and give it to me for free. You know, it, but right. <laughs> you right. know, not every Linux app out there is free. Yeah. You know, so. One of the joys of that universe to me is I'm I'm just even though I track on that pretty well on the authors in that whole world, every time I go to a, a pulp con or a, a comic con or something like that, I find like a new book in the series, a new anthology. And I'm like, well, you know, people don't announce, I guess, hey, we're working on it. And then we got 10 buddies to do it. And now there's, you know, another chapter in this thing. And I whatever that thing is about not just going on Amazon, you know exactly what you're looking for, and it might give you some good recommendations, but it's a much different experience than going into a bookstore and like just by a title or a cover or, huh, this guy wrote another book. I didn't, I like him, but somehow he <laughs> fell off my radar. And I am, I must've been a, a half a dozen times surprised and delighted by finding out there's more, there's more to read in the Wold Newton universe. I just love that. Yeah. <laughs> so. And I, I, that is definitely when we're down there, like always one of my top things is going into the little stores, finding books, not just when we were, when I was there last time, uh, obviously there's tons of voodoo books, tons of uh, vampires, you know, with Anne Rice. Oh, exactly. by the way, there's the cemetery that Anne Rice based her interview or used for inspiration. Interview with the vampire, the vampire Lestat. Exactly. Okay. And there is a grave she used for Louis and it's his name, Louis and that. And there's some guy that dresses up like Louis and just goes into the graveyard at times and, and sits then, on the gravestone and just ponders right. and thinks. And, and then just questions about his eternal life. Or yes, <laughs> that's so cool. But uh, I always look for good looking books, fiction that may be local to that area. Yeah. Uh, you know, I did that in Salem and I got a couple uh, looking and it was funny because when I was in Salem, one of the people I interviewed on my podcast, his book was at, in some of the Salem bookstores. So Very I took cool. a picture and sent it to him because he'd actually never been there. Yeah. Uh, they just happened to find it. That is, you know, we do the same thing when we're on vacation. If we find out that there's a little bookstore, we pop in. And so when we've been like in 
Yellowstone or the Grand Tetons, they'll have books there that are like hiking fiction, if you know what I'm trying to say, wilderness adventures and stuff like that. And there'll be local authors that are locally famous. They've got a dozen well-selling books, but they haven't broken out of that area. Right. So then when I'm there, I have that, well, I, I really... I want to read all these, but am I really going to buy a dozen books all at once? If I don't, when will I get them again? I'm going to have to remember the name of this bookstore and write to the guy and say, hey, right. you know what I mean? It's it's a, it's a little bit of a dilemma, but a good dilemma to have to discover that kind of cool, very specific thing. And if you hadn't walked into that bookstore, they never might have popped up on my screen. Definitely, you got to look for the Bigfoot romance. You know, that's the hot <laughs> market I hear. Uh, so we'll, we'll we'll see what we find and what we end up coming back. You know what else is out there? I'm going to go to yeah. one of not the only one, but uh, William Faulkner's house. He lived in the French Quarter for a while, and they have his house. They have a, a bookstore museum there. That's so I'm like, cool. well, I'm going to have to buy some Faulkner at William Faulkner's house. I mean, exactly. You know? <laughs> yeah. I've done that. You know, Louis L'Amour's writing place up in the Dakotas. We made a point of stopping in there, and of course, it was like a shack. It was this little thing, but. Out of that came, I don't know, 60 books. He's a very prolific guy oh, for man. the whole Sackett family, all the Westerns that he did and stuff like that. And and when we were down in Key West, went to Hemingway's house, you know, and it's like, and, yeah. and, I don't know, he he's a very, he's a guy that's grown beyond his works. You know what I mean? There's so many legends about Hemingway the man, not only the old man of the sea and his very stuff. So it was just very cool. There's atmosphere to be found there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like he just, he'd look out. And it's not right on the water, but you just think every day he kind of wandered around Key West, which is this little tiny thing at the end of a whole bunch of yeah. you know connected islands. And then after that, it's ocean. It's the Gulf, at yeah. least. And what does that do for informing your writing? That's a very cool thing. Did you, know, you, did you go to the bar that he always went to? Actually, we didn't. We only had oh, like yeah. an hour and a half off the we were on a cruise. And so we just kind of zoomed around. Hey, I, I petted a polydactyl cat. You know what I mean? We didn't yeah, even right, right. have a meal. <laughs> but it was it was very cool just to wander around. And especially the natives that are there, you know, they have their own kind of nation, if you will. They're very happy to be there, proud. They all gather to watch the sunset every day and stuff like that. And our timing didn't work out for that. But I just it it uh, I I had that on my list. There's all kinds of like, if you're going to be there, you should do at least these. And I think we did like three of the five that we wanted to do and hitting the bar for a hurricane or whatever. We just couldn't do it. Uh, <laughs> the other place, um, when I was in Salem, I went to Hawthorne's House of the Seven Gables. Daniel Hawthorne. Yes, um, exactly. Was, and it was really weird and interesting because you hear about Hawthorne, but he's actually, I, I, I guess I didn't connect it. He's actually quite an old author. I mean, it was like 16, 1700 era. Uh, whereas a lot of the stuff I read is 1800s. Uh, right. So it was interesting that I hadn't connected that. And looking at the style of writing, uh, it, it's, it, it is an interesting thing when I, you know, oh, click, duh, this is 200 years earlier type thing, you know. Exactly. I'll tell you, there are certain, you know, um, as I was growing up, you discover like, wow, Ambrose Bierce, you know, who a very interesting guy. He wrote The Devil's Dictionary, one of the big early work of, like sarcastic humor and so forth. Yeah. He's also the guy that like disappeared. He kind of like went down to Mexico and was never seen again. And, and so there's like a mystery behind him. I like Stephen Crane, that the red uh, badge of courage, which everybody knows him for, he's got many other things. And in fact, some, some really cool, like little poems. Here, here's, um, I met a man chasing the horizon. Stop, I said, it is futile. You lie, he cried and ran on. That's such a perfect encapsulation of obsession and yeah. rejection of reality. Yeah. And yet, you know what I mean? Oh, no. 
Okay, sorry. <laughs> you're I, kidding. <laughs> you're going to get buried. Really, <laughs> I have stacks, as you know. Most book collectors and paper people have stacks, and I have no idea why that went down. There's too much sunlight, and it expands and moves, and then a little slide, and that's all you need. It, okay. it, it, see, you don't believe the supernatural, and we're talking about it, and boom, oh, look what happens. Stephen Crane's ghost my stack. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have the problem uh, in our room. We have cats, so anything you put anywhere ends up being swatted across the whole room or exactly. knocked over in the middle of the night. Never in the day. <laughs> always in the middle of the night. Right. Always. And it's funny because I've seen. I've seen cats walk amongst a field of cacti and not get a spine, and yet they can't seem to make it across your table without knocking over a stack. Of they, there, of there's some really uh, big TikTok <laughs> challenge thing where people like put dominoes and stuff up, and then they like call the cat to walk through, and then they call the dog, and it's and he hilarious. Blundered yeah. exactly <laughs> because in his mind, it's not about getting through the dominoes. It's my best friend called me. I'm getting there as soon as I can. <laughs> yeah, dude, dogs are mostly clueless. <laughs> so speaking of worlds, uh, yes. you just went and saw a big world movie, uh, the new James Bond, new James one Bond. of my favorites all the time. Absolutely. So I mean, honestly, I have I I must have been like 10 years old when I saw my first James Bond. It might have been maybe even eight, like one of those Sunday night at the movies. It was a big event. <laughs> for a big theater movie to make it onto television. And, and I really loved it. You know, all of the, the daring do and the gadgets and just, you know, his, his, um, you know, license to kill, but, you know, uh, uh, wit sometimes, uh, maybe, uh, and the womanizing and whatever else might be going on. So the fact that that series has been going on for like 60 Ever. years is kind of amazing that, the um, let's see, Broccoli and Salzman were the producers yeah. and they really were, canny about what makes this character work and as they've had to replace james bonds over the course of time they didn't like jump the shark and put in ridiculous stuff they actually kept a pretty good continued line of yeah that person is hard enough menacing enough suave enough you know what i mean and, they, and, <laughs> and i believe it's broccoli's wife and then son that have taken it over and they, it's still the same lineage company that's what i think Eon yeah. productions i think is the name of the production company now and actually there's a couple of good books about the whole history of James Bond, and that was not a certain thing. They've had to go through all kinds of legal battles where various different people, like when they made, um, let's see, maybe the Living Daylights or something like that. There was a time where they brought Sean Connery back. Um, never was, say never again, or right, to yeah. remake Thunderball, if you will. Never, never say never again. And they were wasn't sure as to whether this was going to fragment or whether there was going to be a one true series a canon like we always laugh about uh, but i i was lucky when i was growing up we had a jerry lewis cinema in elk grove you know for elk grove to have its own little movie house it, it i don't know what the population was but jerry lewis was expanding in this way kind of like magic johnson did later with theaters in places where they might not have them but it's very much a community thing having said that whoever was the booker for things there were really good about getting first one stuff but also once in a while getting like we're gonna get um at one point there was a double james bond and a triple james bond film marathon and so all the ones that i hadn't seen i got a chance to catch up on so it was dr no and goldfinger and from russia with love and me and my best friend Stu, we just both loved those so you go there and you like they were one of the first places to get you could get popcorn and get a refill so it's like i can do three movies and get a popcorn <laughs> with each and just what a way to like 
as a little punk kid to lose yourself in. Yeah. They're going to Jamaica. They're in the Swiss Alps. They're on the uh, the the Orient Express. This train that goes from you know what I mean. It one of their appeals has not only been, of course, the characters, but the locales were great. They're going to do an undersea scene off the coast of Jamaica. There, I just yeah. and every you know. If, if you will, I know it's formulaic. I know there's always a big opening where he's escaping from a tight situation and then suddenly he's paragliding because that's the only way to get out of the facility. And yet, one of the things, even this latest movie, it isn't special effects. It's still, there's actors that are doing some pretty serious, maybe dangerous, and I'm sure there's a certain amount of green screen and stuntmen and stuff like that, but it sure doesn't seem to be, like, they don't right. immediately break the... Uh, the idea that this couldn't really happen it like when they're you know he gets scratched on his face and then for the next you know two, not whatever part of the movie he doesn't just come on all spiffy clean he gets continually worn down and battered as the movie goes on and so you get the idea of he's got grit he he tunes out pain he's not immune to pain you know what i mean yeah. and there's real danger for where when he takes a, a, a oh well I really like that aspect of in this era of incredible special effects with Star Wars and Dune and everything else, that there's still magic to be found in a tough guy that has grit and agility and he's a good shot and that he's going to fight. I mean, I'm sure they go um, unbelievable once in a while, but then it's just kind of that John Woo laughter of, yeah, shouldn't his gun have run out of bullets by now? <laughs> <Shouldn't> <laughs> right. there be? You know what I mean? And but they'll even show things like maybe that's been one of the things that they've heard as a criticism. So they'll show every time that they kill a guy, they grab his gun and use that. And then that runs out of bullets because you don't know how many it had, or it's one of those guns that's tuned to your fingerprints. So they try shooting. It doesn't work. They really have like danger instead of it just being, yeah, he picks up a gun, sweeps the room all as well. No, when he's in like a, like a, a tight fight, he's really, especially against a good fighter, He's getting knocked around just like, yeah, he, I don't know. There's um, adrenalizing aspects to it that, that still capture me, having seen, you know, yeah, all of them for 60 years. I've yeah. been watching these, you know. So. James Bond is so unique uh, in the world because it was books. Uh, you know, this guy was a spy in the war and he wrote books and they became popular. And the nice. books are action packed, but not as much as the movies, I would argue, because I've read them, I've got them, I've got the Fawcett collection. Um, yes, exactly. And I remember that was one of the first series that like I graduated from Tom Swift and Doc Savage and maybe <laughs> talked about this a bit. James Bond were one of the first series where while I was reading, I'm going like, if my mom and dad knew what was in here, they may not be comfortable with like 10, 12 year old punk me reading this. There's real torture in here. There's yeah. like pseudo sex scenes. You know what I mean? They were never explicit like other series became. Right, right. But it was definitely they they were adult. They had adult themes to them, you know, but also the adult themes of you have honor, you have you know what I mean? You have to right. do this out in country because it's he, pretty British. You get a sense of the Britishness of it. <laughs> he's the tough guy. He's a man. You know, there's no question, uh, you know, that yeah. he, he could be a cowboy in other stories, you know, exactly. exactly. And then the movies are just so interesting because it's the same character, but everybody's been accepting of changing actors. There's nothing else like that. Nothing. And, and, they're, and people argue about it, but they're pretty much okay with it. And I think arguably daniel craig has been one of the best partly because he does change throughout the series i mean that very first one with casino royale he wanted right. to quit the agency uh but he got you know screwed over and he went back so they've he's always been that hardened criminal but then you know skyfall 
he, he ran into problems. And now this new one, he's leaving and there, I didn't see it yet, but they're hinting at the, that female agent and, you know, all sorts of changes probably coming up for the next one, but he probably has the most, uh, convoluted stories he actually does do some changing throughout the series that's really yeah. true as they show his I, 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 again not to you know your authorness would talk about this he has an internal life you know what i mean instead of just being kind of a weapon that you point at the enemy and let him go and do his job he has his own internal conflicts about you know am i doing the right thing how how long can i do this i'm getting older i you know what yeah. if i find out that my boss has been involved in maybe some shady dealings and does the end justify the means you know what I mean? How much am I like, I'm not just a tool. I'm not going to be ordered to do anything. I have my own sense of what's right and what's the right way to do things. And and they, he's very good at portraying um, those conflicts while still getting the job done. Um, I it, it, Like you said, sometimes the discussion is, which is your favorite James Bond? And it's like, I don't know, man. I just like all of them. I like all the characters. They've all brought something to it. Yeah. There's anybody that I had to pick that like is stereotypically James Bond, Pierce Brosnan, Yes, I agree. Like the guy that was so suave, he could indeed be in a tux at Monte Carlo and everybody would accept that he's, you know, that guy. But he also had that hardness to him so that it wasn't just, I'm a, like Roger Moore was a little bit of a, a too handsome for the role, if you will. And so I don't know. And I, I actually, Timothy Dalton, a lot, number of people, they, he might be one of the ones that is people's least favorite. Yeah. But I he had a, a real, um, a very good, uh, not world weariness but like he actually was one of the first ones to show emotion that maybe he fell in love too much and got fooled or that, that he was vulnerable because if you have a love they don't have to kill you they kill you know your your family and anyway all of them have had very different good aspects and one of the coolest things about them is that you got to have great villain or great heroes and so ernst stavro blofeld multiple incarnations of him has been very menacing the whole specter the whole yeah. smir smirch, you know, that there's international combines that he's penetrating, but they're really already inveigled into so many different things that you don't know who your friends are, which is so much what spy movies are about. You can't read a John Le Carre book or a Ludlum book without going, what's the famous phrase? It's a wilderness of mirrors. You just don't know. And you hope that that, that someone will have loyalty, that right. someone will be decent instead of being just a magnificent actor, a bastard actor. So know? is uh, Remy Malik really good as a villain? Um, he is good, but honestly, he wasn't as menacing as I thought he could be. Huh. He he was, I thought, a little bit um, too contained, whereas Christopher Waltz, as Blofeld, really knows how to, like, chew scenery and be menacing while being very polite about it. <laughs> that first scene where he was in, I think, Inglorious Bastards, right? Where he's the, oh, yeah. the, he's a, the Jew hunter, and he's, like, in a family's farmhouse, and he's, like, sipping a glass of milk. While all the implications are, I could have all you killed. And in fact, I'm looking for more people to kill. But he's being so polite and talking about, do you like it here? If you know what I mean? He's really got that, I don't know, that crazy edge to him. I, I, um, I always liked Klaus Maria Brandau. He's one of those guys that you're like, he might not be all, he's not, he's not, he can be do crazy well. And especially, I'm trying to think, I, I've lost track now of which movie was which. But he had, um, or his his love that was maybe going to stray with James Bond, a lot of his world conquest plans, make a lot of money, you know, steal the nuclear weapons, they were all warped by, like, he's really in love, but obsessive love with this woman, I think maybe a domino, maybe it was, or no, and seeing him 
kind of unravel over even the the crazy mighty villainous if they have fallen in love they'll kind of go nuts if that love is threatened so he's one of those that really added complexity to it um I don't know, and, and sometimes the motivations aren't just, hey, I don't want to make a lot of money or I want to take over the world. Sometimes they're just, they started to have good damaged as youths. So, you know, or they were betrayed by the Secret Service. They were, um, they've come back from incredible trying circumstances and got damaged by it. And and I don't know, they've always had yeah. really good, um, sometimes the main villain and sometimes his main thug <laughs> are really interesting memorable characters everybody knows jaws yeah i was just thinking everybody knows jaws odd job yeah odd job exactly man that (laughs) seeing goldfinger when i was young and it it just was what a a great like they really got the film in fort knox you know whatever right right. suspension of disbelief when i was young i love i continue to love them i never miss one (laughs) <laughs> I, I, I haven't either. I, you know, I, I, I'm definitely of the, hey, there's something blowing up and I can eat popcorn. Let's see that movie. You know, I mean, my, exactly. my son picks on me about that. He's like, hey, you'll love it. It's got things that blow up. You know, right, I mean, exactly. he picks on me about it, but um, whatever. The villain has a volcano lair. I am so there. <laughs> That's Darth Vader. They've, they, they've retroed uh, that he built a castle on Mustafa in the lava. So that's there been, you go. So, okay. So we've had James Bond changing actors throughout the years, and this is Daniel Craig's last one. He said right. no more. Um, so there's a lot of talk about who's next. There's talk of a female James right. Bond, and there's talk of Idris Elba. Uh, for me, I think Idris Elba would be excellent. I'd love to see him as James Bond. He's he got a little bit about that. He's got yeah. presence, he's got menace, he, and he's, he's got the smoothness. He's really good combination. I will say that the lady successor that they brought in, she she didn't like, oh, she'd do good. It, to, to me, she was, um, she didn't have that combination of, wow, license to kill. I don't, I don't get that um, menace in her. I don't get that, uh, that kind of like sociopathic that, coldness. In her. That suaveness um, that's overlaying the cold exactly. killer. And uh, I know this is such a big topic nowadays where they really are not only retrofitting, but changing some of the base elements like, a character's sex nationality uh you know age and stuff like that and if they're going to go with the female chance bond no problems with it at all the one that they proposed here that actually is termed 007 because craig's character is uh, semi-retired i don't know she just she isn't like the person that i'd hand the baton off to i wasn't swept away by her sometimes when you like doctor i'll take it by the way what we said about an, uh, another series that has indeed had the change of the main character Doctor Who. Doctor Who, you know what I mean? And sometimes the new Doctor Who has to grow on me, but sometimes the minute that they appear, that's like, what a great choice. You know what I mean? I thought David Tennant was pretty good from the start, and then Matt Smith, who followed him, very different, but also really good from the start, and some have arrested me more than others, if you will. Um, but even then, they decided to go with a female Doctor Who there, and I, I, all of them have been interesting, but she's not one of my favorites, and it's kind of funny you kind of it's hard to talk about it with immediately being no it's not that i don't like women I, I love and respect that everything else women but sometimes the writing is not as good the character is not as good whatever that magic spark is that yeah. gives you a good replacement it might not work yeah and and we've talked <laughs> so, about this too we can't give an opinion we can't say yeah they shouldn't do a female doctor or doctor who or james Bond because we'll right. just get ripped apart <laughs> we're middle-aged white guys so it's a little relevant but i another author 
uh, made a good point about this. He says, why do we have to have a female James Bond? Why can't we have a 007 that's a different character but female? If there's multiple 007s, you know, start uh, a whole nother line of movies with this. And there have been other female, Atomic Blonde, Peppermint. Uh, we some, just talked about this. Yeah. Exactly that. that you know, that, that, that um, I'm not sure because there's so much money in the franchise and they want to continue it. They're looking for a way to continue it and make it more modern, current. And I have no problems with the experimentation, but we are actually, I think, pretty decent and reasonable. I know that there's whole parts of like Comics Gate, SF Gate, the people that are really nasty about this yeah. is the way it should be and it's only this. And oftentimes it seems to be along those lines of, of gender or of color or whatever else it might be. So I'm always curious about the experiment, but I don't, I don't mind saying, you know, that just didn't work for me. It isn't that I right. lose my ability to criticize when it just, it wasn't as exciting. It wasn't as, I don't know, the, um, as they have done that in Marvel comics, any number of Marvel comics has actually been very good. I, the female or, you know, uh, Jane Foster. Becoming, Coming. Exactly. Um, and, and not in the movies, but in the comic books, it was very well presented with what she would be like. She is indeed worthy of the hammer. She, you know, that kind of stuff. But, and, and the issues that she might have about automatically every big macho guy, the villain, like, am I going to fight a woman or like, uh, you know what I mean? Like, I can't believe I'm going to get beat by a woman and that kind of stuff. It makes for very interesting issues. Um, that when they try to do that in the last Wonder Woman movie, that her power wasn't that she's a mighty Amazon warrior, but it's the power of love. It wasn't as effective as if they had just let her be this, this perfect trained warrior that's able yeah. to take down other people. And, and, um, and people didn't like Wonder Woman 90 or 84 because 84. It, it wasn't as strong of a character. It wasn't that she was being a woman or not being a woman. It, 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 you got to be true to the character. So it, here's my argument. I love the idea of having a whole nother series that's a female agent, but exactly. it doesn't need to call her James Bond. But I can see it them wanting to connect it because that's just going to draw people in. You know, yeah. Atomic Blonde did well, but I don't know if it did as well as James Bond. You know, exactly. uh, and, and if we're... Please, oh, I was going to say, if we're going to be fair about it, too, if we're going to be changing James Bond to women and using, then I think the next ruler of the Amazonians should be a guy. You got to keep it fair. <laughs> you know, and that sounds ridiculous, be, though. Yeah, but that, that conflict can go either way of like if it's been a traditionally a certain way or that within a culture, there's real restrictions and rules. And then someone's going to break those rules, et cetera, et cetera. That would be an interesting take. Yeah. Boy, I'm really sorry about this, but I suppose. Suddenly- right. We have to use the restroom. Go, so we'll we pause. pause for a moment. Cut I'll be it. back in a minute.
<laughs> so here's so. here's the next question. Okay. The next possible change. Uh, and I, this is something I've been debating, but it hasn't really come up with others. Indiana Jones. Could they do another actor as Indiana Jones? Harrison Ford is doing number five right now. The dude's like 85 years old. I can't imagine right, him right. swinging on a whip and all that jazz. Yeah. So they already did the young Indiana Jones series. And yes. then she had like a son of his in movie number four. So yes. they're already, and, and that's actually one of the things I was going to say, the way of continuing any number of series very naturally is to say, how about their son or daughter? You know what right, I mean? Right, right. has been um, prolific in him uh, being with women. It really might be that there's any number of times and and that that someone got um, pregnant and was then to produce either a James Jr. or a Jane Bond or whatever else it might be. And Indiana Jones, you would think, could be kind of that same thing. They've already introduced the idea of his father had influence on him. Why not have that same thing happen yeah. with his son or even a grandson? Especially if you're 85, you know, <laughs> you got to kind of jump a couple generations to be maybe the son was determined to not go adventuring. But then you know how that kind of skips that the <laughs> the right. um, eldest is the wild card, the middle one is the one that settles down and has a family. But then one of the kids hears all about grandpa and says, "That sounds great." So yeah, they there are easy, pretty tried and true literary ways of saying yeah. And so maybe the better question is, who would it be? Like who's a young actor that could handle? The Indiana Jones daring do, you know what I right. mean? Uh, and it's it's interesting because I think James Bond, they've changed actors, kept the name. So it's been like, okay, well, when you get the 007, there's like assigned names because you're anonymous. You don't have the background. I could see right. that, but it, right. we know it's different people. But Indiana Jones, if you say, hey, this is Indiana Jones and it's Idris Elba, it's like, well, he doesn't seem at all like Indiana. You know, Indiana Jones is a character in the world so you're right to do it correctly they probably do need a son or uh something like that uh so they had shia labeouf but he got a lot of flack people hated him for some reason i didn't think he was that bad um you know what do you think of him or who would you say would make a great indiana jones yeah it's just that he doesn't come across as you know well that's that's the guy you know right sometimes it's a physical type sometimes it's the the swagger or the attitude or it's their acting chops and stuff like that um, so, you know, it's kind of funny. They really, um, a little bit what you were saying, why not do a whole different series? They have tried that with Nicolas Cage in the National Treasure movies right. was kind of that same thing. Maybe a little bit of Tom Hanks doing, yeah. you know, Angels and Demons and stuff. Yeah. Exactly that from the Angels and Demons. But we just named a couple of people. They're already also of an age. And so are they the young? Um, wow. You know, who am I? So let's see. Um, the guy that played in The Kingsman. Uh, and I never remember his name. Right. Uh, um, like, and, and very Irish. And so maybe that's why I have a block against, well, you don't pronounce most of the letters in that name. You know, it's all this. And then it's pronounced Ian. So right. what a what a stupid parochial block on my part. But I thought that he had the right, like, wry smile, the right, he looks like a normal guy. But when it's time, he has the ability to get up for the game. He's got skills. Um, so someone like that. Uh, there was a guy that was, it was kind of funny. I don't usually block out on actor and actress's names. He was in like the 10 things I hate about you. Oh, he, Heath Ledger. Yeah. Oh, he, uh, so maybe I'm thinking of the wrong guy. Heath Ledger, unavailable. Yeah. Unfortunately. <laughs> unfortunately. There's been a couple where they, it's like a new face and they, and whatever that level of 
handsomeness, but not too handsome, so that they look like they've got a little yeah. bit of like desert dust on them and stuff like that. It sometimes I love it when they just someone new it magically appears and they did a big casting call, and out of the hundred people they talked to, this is the one they said. Right. Okay, embodies well, enough of that so well, i'd be they, okay to be surprised well you know, we've been I'm, surprised with batman i mean michael keaton exactly. pulled it off Robert extremely Pattinson. well and pattison now have seen the latest trailer it yeah looks wonderfully intense yeah so, so <laughs> i but the thing they gotta here's where they gotta remember is do the character right indiana jones is not james bond he's not a cold right. killer he's not mr action he can do it but he's more of that Oh shucks, you know, Andy Taylor turned adventurer. You know, he's a little more down home, <laughs> okay. you know. Yeah. But Harrison Ford was the perfect fit for that. He pulls that off so well. That's him. So, so I always joke about Tom Cruise. Oh, look, there's a movie with Tom Cruise in it because every character Tom Cruise does is the same freaking character. <laughs> but if you my like wife it, often describes all those as, oh, is that the movie with that cocky young guy? Yeah, that's a good movie. Yeah, and even though he's now, you know, 30 60 years something or whatever. Young, yeah. Honestly, guy who can still hang off a hundred story building that's pretty pretty fantastic yeah absolutely <laughs> so, so you, you got to find that guy who is that way naturally and brings it out yeah. and that's i think what made indiana jones so good was it was harrison ford he didn't have to yeah. act it you know exactly so it'll be it's, interesting it's kind of funny unfortunately as we talk one of our opening statements of you know is there any series besides this is it had yeah there's actually been when you get a good series going, there's so much money to be made that, yes, they're going to have multiple Batman. Yes, they're going to have multiple Indianas, Jones, right, right. and all that kind of stuff. You know, And maybe, I don't know, maybe that really will be. Some directors like Spielberg really would have the power to say, um, I'm not doing any more in the series and neither is anybody else. You know what I mean? And like Charles Schultz at, at doing Peanuts said, I'm the only guy that's ever going to do it. And yep. when it's done, I don't want my son or anybody else to take over for me. It, it, you know what I mean? So maybe right. there are directors that have that ability. Maybe they put it in the clause, a clause in the contract for a while that says, it, it, this, this character is mine, and no, you don't get the rights to continue while my corpse is in the ground. <laughs> right. So, so, so um, there's, you know, there's Sean Patrick Flannery, who did one of the young Indiana Jones. He is available. Okay. Uh, you know, I could see that. Shia LaBeouf, we said. What about mm -hmm. Tom Hiddleston? See, it, it's kind of funny. You know, I would have said, well, he's already got the Loki thing going on. But of course, at the same time that Ford was being Indiana Jones, he was being Han Solo, Solo. as well. Oh, and, and the president. The president and... <laughs> on Air Force One and all. So it really is okay for some people that just perfectly embody those American values. Chris Evans, we just laughed about. Yeah. Like the human torch as well as Captain America. I could see and Chris so, Evans doing an yeah. Indiana Jones. Dye his That's hair right. a little bit. He, he fit exactly. the outfit well. I'll tell you what. Um, as opposed to being typecast and only being Captain America, I've seen him in so many great movies now where he's like that when he was in The Losers, he just was kind of like this video game playing cool. Oh my God, that and, was and a like, good you know, movie. He didn't have anywhere near the whole Boy Scout, you know, chest puffed out type thing. And yes, that really is a great movie. That's one of the ones that I, I won't talk about this. You know, what's the movie that unless I told you about it, you might not have stumbled onto it. The Losers kind of, I don't know, didn't do good box office, came out at the wrong time, but it's high quality for being the comic bookie and maybe because it's not marvel dc you know when they first started to have besides the big two uh, men in black was nowhere near a sure thing you know coming on right. dark horse and just never but but it had luckily enough star power with tommy lee jones and, and i just talked about this on my on my last um uh comic book 
history lecture was about comic book movies and some of those things that were like lightning captured in a bottle you didn't know that kingsman would be able to make it but then it had just the right casting and just enough and same with men in black maybe losers was one of those things that somehow it sure had a loaded cast it had yeah. you know morgan who then was oh, yeah. i don't know if it was already then from walking dead that he was being well known but he was in watchman and he was in walking dead and like how did this movie not supernatural yeah yes exactly it's a good one that's and, exactly right. So there's huh. a movie on Netflix. I don't remember the name of it with Chris Evans. It's more of a serious thing where it's these uh guys that with a boat, they're divers or whatever, but they help smuggle people out of Afghanistan or something. Uh okay. diver club, reef shark diver club, something like that. I don't remember the name. But okay. I was like, wow, that looks really good, you know, and it's totally different. Uh which ping, okay, ping jump. Uh right. there's a new movie out with Liam Neeson called marksman it was originally called minuteman um but it was filmed uh in ohio it was filmed at the hotel in kent because gina went by and saw him while he was there filming it how uh, interesting is that so okay. and I it was written that to my next netflix queue out of it, i like liam neeson and pretty much everything he's ever been in so yeah. okay. and in it was written by a guy from cleveland too so a lot of ohio stuff to it so we could actually go to that hotel it's just down the road from us and take a picture from that scene you know i did that yeah. when i went to the art museum because of avengers i was like look this is hq <laughs> exactly it's it is kind of funny to see your hometown like you know wow that building was in the movie even though of course simulating new york or whatever else it might be right. it, i i really think there's a cool thing going on COVID is terrible but some of what in trying circumstances comes out that like film projects that have been put on the back burner because they weren't enough of a, of a blockbuster then instead people are getting a chance to do smaller projects even vanity projects and like a cast it's about the suspense of a sniper maybe dueling snipers i'm not sure if that's what the plot of the movie is and it doesn't have to be let's blow something up it's more a smaller scale movie and it gets to be made because everybody's kind of off right when they had the writers strike what was it 10 years 2010 ago, yeah yeah all kinds of very interesting things were done when people were just like, well, I don't want to not work. You know, I have no idea how long this is going to go on. I got a, you know, a modern age digital super eight camera that can do movie level quality. Let's call my cronies who are not willing to bust the strike, but all the technical people were out of work. You know what I'm trying to right, say? Right. I love seeing things that like, wow, how unexpectedly good that is, even despite the writers being on that strike. But that people are still really good at putting together a story and the that writer's strike ticked me <laughs> off because they canceled human target because of that and i love uh, that show and never never to return exactly yeah. you know, so he yeah. did he did return uh the character returned in some of the cw stuff uh and yeah. i think they used the same actor at once uh, okay and speaking of the uh, Arrowverse, that kind of thing because yeah I yeah like, boy Somewhere. there's so many bits going on there that i've lost track of yeah who they've pulled into that mythos right, okay right. <laughs> uh and speaking of it when i'm in new orleans i'm gonna get pictures where they did ncis new orleans the bar okay. where he played piano and i, I want to try and find some of the houses and buildings from uh, uh interview with a vampire get some pictures yeah. there too so I, it's kind of i don't know that i actively seek those out but once in a while like we were i was in toronto for a mac world of all things and I really like a series called, um, see, The Wandering Fire. It's the Fionnivar Tapestry. It's a three, it's a trilogy. And some part of it takes place on the University of Toronto campus. And when I, I love going to college campuses, so I am walking around and I'm like, he really captured this. 
this really is like you go from beautiful civilized buildings into kind of a forest in between and it really is like where did all the light go this is really suddenly menacing in the middle of a big city and i i love when you stumble onto something and you're aware i've not been here before but i have been oh because i saw it in a movie because i read it in the book right it's very cool that people have that ability to capture place so well sometimes you know so absolutely okay so 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 speaking of mac world uh you mentioned about the new mac event uh and how uh the the new m1 chip so i know there's a a shortage right now of the heavy metals they use to create these chips so what is apple doing to get enough chips out there because we, we can't get an Xbox, we can't get a PlayStation, and the old ones are going for hundreds of dollars more than they should. Exactly. Uh, it's, it's kind of funny. So this event was held, and it just talked about their, their new um, music things and their, their new Macs, you know, that now that they've had the M1 chip out there for a while, and it really is excellent. It really is faster, better, stronger, does better machine learning, all that kind of stuff. They haven't rested on their laurels. Now they got an M1 Pro and an M1 Max, that have this many more cores and this much more access to like now it's 64 gig of memory, which for, for my purposes, I'm not a video editor. I, I don't do my compiling code. Sometimes it really is complex enough that you really want the most horsepower that you can get. That's probably where I push it the most. But nowadays to get your frame rate for games and stuff like that, you just don't need the mightiest computer in the world. Right. Everything is having said that they talked about the tech. They didn't, of course, in this Schnazzo presentation address hey, there might be some limited availability of this. From what I understand, Apple has for a long time been very collaborative instead of exploitative with the places they source their things from. So Taiwan Semiconductor does a whole bunch of stuff for Apple. You know, they design it, but then it's produced by these guys. They do have factories in China where things are um, either fabricated or put together in the manufacturing. And from what I understand, so there's some of the few where they really do have green standards. They really do have labor standards. Apple is a big enough country that it gets to put together treaties with other countries that are often exploitative the whole pacific rim etc that that they really seem to have not only avoided the worst abuses but also then by having a good collaborative environment if there's any prioritizing list of those things being available apple doesn't seem to be suffering as deeply as some other companies even though i just saw on my in today's um uh fidelity feed that there will indeed be delays in iPhones, delays in various different things because of that shortage. Um, That's such a weird, difficult thing to talk about because, you know, it really is intellectual property wise, the United States rules the world in many ways, but you still have to get the technetium and the, you know, um, the the various different rare earths, metals, vibranium, uh, vibranium, (laughs) exactly that. And unfortunately, other empires have been very canny about not only by luck they have in the middle of their country a big meteor strike area where they have big concentrations of some of those rare things but they've also looked around the world and said africa has some of that too how about if we go to africa not quite in a colonization way but in a let's make a deal that we will mine it you guys will get some benefit from it as a country but we have first rights to it and then first rights can mean all of it if these things take off so we really are behind uh, I think that besides China, which is kind of getting a big hold on a lot of this stuff, there's some in the United States, there's some in Canada, but otherwise the whole world could be in trouble because of the monopolization of things that go into every cell phone, right. every car monitor, all those. So quite often tech uh, solves things. You know, we've seen that throughout the years, all the way back <laughs> to the zipper, you know, <laughs> 
That's a great, yes, you're right. You know, (laughs) so in this case, uh, you know, we've had Moore's law pushing for 30 years, new components, new processors, more memory, faster speeds, storage, and just bigger, 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 but everything's changing. COVID changed everything. And people, I think, uh, you know, are discovering they don't need that new power every year and a half, two years. Uh, if you learn a little bit about keeping your computer <laughs> clean and running, you know, yeah. the one I'm on right now, it's like 11 years old now, you know, and it's still running. It's been on three different operating systems. Yeah. Um, so on my list for Christmas is a new watch, a new phone, maybe a new laptop. But out of all those, the only one that I might really need is the watch because I think it's falling behind in terms of some capability, especially health-wise, which matters to me. Right. I'm really kind of giving up on some of the, the latest and greatest developments by having something older that isn't even capable of some. Of right. There's a few new health things on watches I'm keeping an eye on. You know, exactly. I just got this one in July, uh, okay. but I'm looking to, you know, possibly. So I wonder what tech solutions might come about or what people might learn or do different to keep their stuff because i got i know people that are used to oh i've had my laptop for three years throw it in the garbage get a new one and you know that's it but okay well now this new one's expensive and it's no more powerful (laughs) honestly you know in that weird disposal culture you know when it was hey i'm just going to get a new one every three years and i don't necessarily have to keep this one from getting grungy internal and external um Maybe now people are going to have to relearn some of those things about how to keep your thing malware free, how to not yeah. like it isn't only a matter of dropping it and not cracking the glass. It's you just don't like every time that you plug that thing in, if you don't clean the the point of your connector, you're like pushing some more goo in there, some more human. You know what I mean? Some right, more right. dust that might have complained. And so now I've seen there's actually little tools for how to clean your Thunderbolt port, your USB-C, the various different generations going back. And you look in there, it's like. Is that earwax? What the hell is going on in there? It's really grungy. (laughs) So there's a great example. Why do we still plug laptops in? I mean, people have phones, they set on a pad and it charges it. So why haven't we done that with laptops? Uh, And why are we still using batteries that wear out so quickly? Oh, wait, because that way you have to go buy a new one. Okay, I got that. that. But if you can't do that anymore, you know, what are they going to do? Yeah, I'll tell you, it's kind of funny. I... I really have respect for Apple, not just because I have some, but the reason I have them is because they do things like, here's the way in which they've lowered power consumption. Here's the way in which they've used different materials for their batteries so that they are, if not infinitely rechargeable, they hold a charge longer and the materials are such that they really are the best battery that you can get out there. And so when, and also they've had for a long time, and honestly, not two years like fashionably, but like 20 years, how do they take in old Macs and phones and watches so that they cannibalize their own parts. You know, what's a good source for that vanadium and technetium and so forth uh, is not try to get it out of the ground, but try to go to the landfill that it would have been thrown into, repurpose it, redirect it. And then they've got vast factories where they take those things back apart so that Macs now are something like 90% returnable. And their goal is to get to 100% where from cradle to grave, as they call about it. You know, the, the case is made out of 100% recycled aluminum. There's no new bauxite having to be mined for that. Um, they're really, they got canny early as to not only good for the environment, good for the world, but good for cost. Don't be hostage to somebody that has the world's stores. You've got all kinds of stores if you can just get your own stuff to come back in. 
And, yeah. and I think I saw not on Dirty Jobs, but some other tech channel where they have the factory that really, it takes things apart. There's no human being that has to be exposed to uh, heavy metals, you know, kind of the old mad as a header type thing. If you're going to get hats made, but they're tucking, touching the mercury and the ribbons all the time, funny, people die of that kind of stuff. When they show people climbing around on a big tech landfill in India and getting what they could, harvesting what they could out of that, but they all had cuts and terrible things on their hands and feet because funny metal has sharp edges and stuff like that they've kind of shown that there doesn't have to be a human cost to this and that they've kind of put it into their whole business plan so yeah, hats cool. off to them that they really thought about this early and and continue to do that even all their packing materials are and, and you got to get recycled fiber and stuff like you really got to get the americans to change their thinking because it's too much part of our culture to just throw things away you know Absolutely. i mean my father upholstered furniture well, it got to the point where people couldn't have their furniture upholstered because the materials were so crap, you couldn't redo it. You just threw it away and got a new one. And I know people now, it's like, if you tell them, well, hey, if you recycle that, they could reuse it. Well, I don't care. And they throw it away. So you got to do that. that. It, yeah. The fact we, that you, for, I mean, that writ large, we've had recycling in the United States for decades, 40 yeah. years, probably. The bins, the convenience, everything. And I still know people that are just like, nope, I just don't do it. I won't be troubled by it. I don't care about it. It what what, what do I matter? So, what matters is that these big companies do it, not that individuals. And yet it does matter over so the course of time. The, and, the thinking of those people, I, I, the only question I want to ask is how does that make America great again? <laughs> it you know, <laughs> there is a mindset about I, I guess it's intellectual property almost versus exploitation of resources the people that do coal oil natural gas are used to taking something out of the ground refining it transforming it somehow selling it and then at some point they say i don't care what happens after i've sold it i don't care that it's putting pollution into the air i don't care that the the pool of all the tallow and slag from the refining process is toxic death there's a, a it's kind of funny there has to be a better term that someone comes up with Early on, I read about externalities, that the way a lot of exploiting companies make their money is because they never have to worry about the worst aspect, which is the disposal of the toxic things that are produced, either the product itself or the byproducts of having produced it, that they just have found ways to put it in the landfill. They, they actually, and when there are rules, they actually send the trucks to another state. They're really determined to not take responsibility for what they're producing. So as compared to a good example like Apple or probably any number of tech companies, there's all kinds of places that they really are um, asbestos. All our business is about avoiding lawsuits, not about making asbestos safer, not about getting rid of asbestos entirely. Only, only if you have so many laws and such application of those laws that they really, and then they got, well, we're going out of business. You know what you can do with all those lawsuits against this, this, you can't get blood from a stone. Right. Funny, they open up another business that does exactly what the previous one did, but they, you know what I mean? That yeah. that evil battle of avoiding responsibility, that's part of exactly what we're talking about. The irresponsibility of, I after after I've had my interaction with it, it's like littering on a grand scale. It's, oh. I, I had <laughs> this time when littering stopped. You know, when we had right. Andy Johnson saying, let's clean up the highways, and we had a, an Indian with a tear over, we can't do this to our beautiful country. We just can't. And yet, Colleen and I haven't been on a hike in, in years where we don't see, I guess someone was done with that candy wrapper, and there it sits. Right. Cam, in the middle of all this cathedral of beauty, 
and there's crap. And like whole McDonald's bag. This and just yeah. say, I'm done. In fact, I'm gonna leave my mark here. This is how I show I'm that walking I'm here is by I'm, shitting on it. I'm walking this trail it. because I love nature. Let me throw my trash on it. Absolutely. I don't get that. And I, get, uh, I had this argument, I should say discussion with somebody because I didn't even engage that uh going back, the they didn't care about anything else. The only reason they would have never voted for Hillary and they thought she was evil is because she wanted to shut the coal mines down and they have friends that work in the coal mines. And I, I said, wait a second. First of all, there are more people that work at Sears, a company that's going out of business than working coal mines. So the amount of people, it's such a small percentage. Uh, it's better for our country. Not No, no, I don't want to put them out of business. I said, stop. The if way we, that capitalism works is called creative destruction. Yeah. The things that can't make it anymore, they have to go away. But no, you're special. Your family is yeah. special. I said, I said, so why don't the government come up with a program to take all these people in the coal mines, shut the coal mines down, take all these people and train them how to install and create and repair solar panels solar and windmills panels. and everything else and, and create that whole industry for that. Give them jobs doing that. If the only thing you care about is they have a job, an outdated crap to our planet job, then let's make another job for them. Then you won't care. Let's shut them down. You know, but right. no, no, we can't shut them down because that's all they know. These are stupid arguments. Exactly. I mean, honestly, that that thing, another tail wagging the dog thing has for so long been really West Virginia is going to run the country. It's to keep the coal mines open in West Virginia that we're going to do terrible set asides, terrible economic policy, et cetera, et cetera. It's it's kind of and not to be weird. So you're you're proud of working in the coal mine. Your uncle died of black lung. Your father died of black lung. What? Why? Where's the pride coming from here? Right. Wouldn't you? Doesn't doesn't your wife want you to live? Doesn't she kind of keep coaching you? Maybe you need to get out of the mines and get a better job. So that I I am perplexed sometimes <laughs> by people. The first thought that comes into their mind, but then they say it out loud, and then once they've said it, they're committed to it, no matter what. Yeah, I just it, I, it I, makes I don't no sense. It. <laughs> so okay, so I have a solution to the chip problem. Uh, sure. We need different technology. We need to go in another direction with chips. Um, using all this heavy metal, you know, we're having problems. What we really need to go back to is steam power. We need to make steampunk computers and running off of steam, and it'll solve. We could probably get little trickles of water, and it'll do the computations. You know, I think that's a perfect solution. So I, I uh, acknowledge <laughs> your contribution, and yet I refute your argument. Oh, but I love so, the idea. So where's, the, where's the biggest population centers in the in the world? China and India currently. And what are they having problems with? The rain that used to come and hit the Himalayas and flow down the Yangtze and the Indus and make monsoons and all that stuff is not happening like it once was because, oops, we also did climate change with all those poor choices. And there's going to be, there is not enough currently clean potable water hitting those places and there's going to be conflicts maybe wars over directing yeah. where that water goes so steampunk might be the wrong direction to go well it was a thought. becoming even scarcer <laughs> <laughs> it does seem that like water is perpetually renewable because hey, it falls free from the sky just like solar and yet on a macro scale well but how, really tough choice <laughs> how many sci-fi post-apocalyptic 
stories are there <laughs> about the world running out of this becoming a desert and have exactly. heck we've got doom coming up pretty soon <laughs> so <there's... laughs> and also having said that i've seen a movie called water world where <laughs> the whole place floods and there's little like flotillas of garbage that have become the new nations <laughs> i just had this discussion yesterday with a couple people that the the flood noah and the flood that they say the water was like above the highest mountain it's like hold on where'd all this water come from first right. of all second of all how are these people breathing in this big boat that's higher than mount everest because you can't breathe in mount everest anyway and and just and we were just laughing thinking about how does that work and where did the water drain to exactly <laughs> as you know there's no talking to some people if they already got that thing of earth is six thousand years old and there was a flood oh, yeah. and here's here's how the grand canyon was carved in a year or whatever else it might be i don't have we ever talked about this i don't think maybe i have been to the creation museum in mm -hmm. Kentucky, uh and i was just intensely curious it is as bad as you might imagine <laughs> it is all the wrong false pseudoscience presented really nicely beautiful dioramas convincing uh pseudoscientific things being said that are totally false and one of the things they talk about is here's a replica of the ark and actually now there's a there is a replica of the ark which and i i i'll do the mock and then i'll take it back from what i understand they just had their flood insurance canceled <laughs> it, adds, uh... it, it isn't about the ark floating away <laughs> it's flood that would displace you know, surrounding hillsides cause maybe a mudslide damage parking lots and stuff at the facility but having said that flood insurance for the ark was That's just a funny headline if you're too funny but when they talked about so here's the ark how was it built made out of gopher wood what's gopher wood um apparently it's in the bible but it's not real they had the dioramas of here's you know the animals two by two and then the flood waters are rising and i'm not making this up we were there with not by ourselves but by all kinds of people that really wanted to be there so that's its own kind of odd crowd we were looking <laughs> at a picture where they showed here's the ark going away and there's little atolls of land where the last people who didn't get to go on the ark are all getting drowned swept <laughs> away and it's like a family and they all look like pretty nice and the little son asks the father um well what about those people what's going to happen to them and he goes that's justice for you son and like Jeez. that really is that acceptance of everybody in the world gets to die because of sada and gomorrah level sinning which apparently includes like reading or you know what i mean like yeah. it just is there are people that were wearing their sean hannity jackets so, and would he be every... would he be saying that and so accepting if it happened again and he was not one of the ones on the ark what if he was the family exactly that god how could you do this to me i yeah. raised my children it honestly i just it's weird to be in an asylum because you know like wow i'm looking at the diorama of a guy um consorting with a dinosaur and a penguin because they were all at the same time and like <laughs> well no you know what i mean like 65 million years at least separate 65 million a number that i know you can't get you your can't money even it's, you know what i mean and and like uh this is um i i wish that i colleen noticed this and we confirmed it as we went through the exhibits they have various different things about here's people that were good and here's people that were sinners every one of the good people was white and every one of the sinners was not wow so this weird subtle that's not so... like he did it and he was black and that's why he was a sinner but it was very much like um <laughs> the, the taint the 
the and and if they, and honestly this is no lie if it wasn't black it was also like middle eastern um, right, right. Jewish Just, swarthy so here they are like the the blood libel is in evidence right at this creation museum it's a stick do, do, do they understand and realize jesus did not look like the pictures that we have i mean no, not from where he was at of course he he looks like tom cruise with long hair you know to laugh about that he's he's you know american jesus not middle eastern jesus and i don't know it's it, it it was worth seeing it so that i can say not oh i've heard but i was actually in there and saw did you know that there was no um carn carnivorous activity until man sinned and then animals started to eat each other so, everything so, was herbivorous and peaceful and garden of eden wonderful well, that i can believe actually so if that's the case, how nature works what, there was what, one time when one paramecium didn't eat another in order to survive into the next generation what did all the carnivorous hundreds of species eat on the ark did they keep <laughs> some other animals to feed them <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's what a great question. Funny, funny how you know. I, I just, it's, it's amazing the amount of acceptance of ridiculous. No, that's not. That can't be how the ark and the flood work. That can't be how um, disease works. You know. Right, I mean? right. Also, by the way, there was no disease until there was sin, and then and 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 also there's no evolution. Uh, God created everything in its own image, and when man names them all, man was involved in naming all the animals. But then. Wow, so you had a proto dog, but now we have 150 different breeds of dogs. Uh, breed apparently is not evolution. They must have been a Samoyed and a Chihuahua and a Poodle from the very start. Right. You know what I mean? It's just like, boy, it doesn't take my brain two cells to come up with. Well, here's something that's real so, that doesn't match what you've just said. Oh my God. So I imagine. Terrible. You're in there, you're walking around, you feel like you're at the beginning of a horror movie. Like, if you say the wrong thing, they're going to start hunting you they're through gonna the woods. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. It's like, room. okay, Colleen, <laughs> keep your mouth shut. Let's head toward the exit right That's now. You know, you know you, that guy in the diorama that has a little bit of straw coming out of the seams? That's human skin. Oh, my God, they uh, stuffed that poor guy. You know, and, and, <laughs> uh, you know I, I know people in Kentucky, but you notice they didn't choose New York or L.A to make, put this i'm just saying uh you are exactly right they they definitely did their demographic studies and said this is prime location right here yeah good marketing and pr going on oh which God. is kind of what the bible's had for two thousand years anyway there is some of that too. and i you know i just oh well it there's so much to be said about this that somebody put up all the money to make this beautiful false thing it's in well, so many people and they want this to be out there so that people can be misled into like that's how the world works the reason you get a flu shot every year is because it mutates oh can't use that word uh because god <laughs> decided to throw another challenge at us apparently what about fossils that as you know is satan trying to trick man it's it's just crazy right. the, the oh my god <laughs> we, we had part of our discussion i was like one of the problems i had when i was in the mormon church was me and the ex at the time were barely making poverty wages i mean we were like you know but yeah. we were told 10 percent pre-tax is supposed to go to the church and, and we're struggling well more will come back to you and i'm like wait a second i'm looking around at these people that are 50 60 years old they've been in the church their whole lives they're in the same situation i am so i'm like if you've been giving 10 percent, when has it come back to you i don't see that happening and yet the president 
that everybody adores is living in a $3.4 million mansion. Okay, hold on. <laughs> yes. Let me think about this. You know, honestly, every, I, I wish that there were more people in the church that just said the emperor has no clothes. They looked around and said, I appreciate the story you keep repeating, drumming into me, but uh, I, I guess I have the promise of heaven, but someone's getting there early by having the fleet of Rolls Royces and the $3.4 million right. house and all that kind of stuff. And I don't know why, why that doesn't cause rebellion or at least questioning in people kind of boggles my mind. Uh, There's all kinds of psychology that says that, you know, once you buy into a ruse, it's really hard for you out of ego death to say, boy, was I fooled. You'll fight it, for the fake. It's comforting, it. but it's comforting for someone else to think for you and to just follow with the crowd. You feel a part of it and, 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 and be told this, you know, go home, watch your sports, sit on the couch and do nothing because uh, this is, you know, the best thing for you. And I'm going to make millions of dollars. I'll, I'll tell you, that really is some of the psychology. Ali and I have had this discussion on all different kinds of topics that some people are really comforted by. I say one big yes, and then everything else that I don't have to worry about examining, weighing facts, doing the analysis, a series of still difficult but important choices. If I say one big yes and someone's going to tell me what to do forever after, it's in religion, it's in politics, yeah. it's in the military, it's in you know, certain tribes. There are people that are happy to stop up and say, all you have to do is put yourself in my hands and I will, quote, take care of you. And there's some unknown people that said, wow, that's paradise. I don't have to, I'm not responsible. I don't have to work hard. It, that it's really attractive. And apparently to like 40% of the population. You know what I mean? We've got this Trump cult now and any number of other cults before that that have shown, wow, it, it, no matter that they have not maintained loyalty to you, they have not come true on the promises that they made you if you just woke up that little bit and said my big yes was given to an unworthy person or organization and yet they don't they have to maintain that big yes because it's so comforting it, it, it should you know be very I mean? telling that i can't think of any big horror movie that is based on in using nerds and geek culture as the basis but i can name several that use crazy cults so there something like that we'll just sum it up with that right there <laughs> if you can write a horror movie about it maybe you should rethink it <laughs> well let's select honestly there are horror movies about um you tried to learn too much you opened that bad book you went to this house but, in the cabin and went into the wrong room you know what i mean well, so okay you, you got curiosity <laughs> you gotta add other rules i mean it should be obvious if the book is bound in flesh and written in blood you leave it alone i don't care who you are there, there's some rules you should follow i'm just saying it's got kind of that eldritch green glow to it <laughs> Stop, just stop, you know, and then, and then, of course, if you're a young woman, don't take your shirt off because you're going to die. It's just yeah, asking yeah, exactly. for it. Any young couple that goes off that's and like has some relation, true, you know, yeah, there's like a, a, a set, you know, some kind of stabbing that's going to happen next, skewering you both to the boat dock, right? Or whatever terrible thing, right? Right. You ever seen a cabin in the woods? I, I was just going to say that. <laughs> that's that's such a great one for another one of those that like very meta. It's aware of all the movies that have gone before, and it plays with what? Are you, why are you there? Why are you staying? You know yeah. what's going on to to make the conspiracy worthwhile? And you find out that there really is a reason that you need to have yeah. the cabin to keep uh, the elder gods. No spoilers, you know what no, I mean? No, <laughs> but it's a that's a good one. And 
I, I have you like ever looked up all the monsters they throw in there as Easter eggs from every movie you've ever seen? Towards the end of the movie, as you know, there's that fantastic scene where everything rushes out of its cages or whatever, and just that I I hardly ever pause movies, but I really wanted to say they really included everything yeah everything yeah. it was really really great <laughs> yeah you gotta love that that was joss whedon right i think so uh, yeah, yeah so you know he's a master <laughs> of genius so there's a good recommendation folks if yep. you haven't seen cabin in the woods and it's halloween season man there you're you gonna go. love this one <laughs> yep, yep. so all right well i need to go go and finish some work and okay. get packing for new orleans i have I, uh, new orleans i hope you have a wonderful wonderful time so do Hopefully i thank you is is beautiful and and radiant with how actually not radiant you want it to be spooky and eldritch yes so i want yeah exactly that's yeah. gonna be great i have my last comic book class on oh. this thursday so i'm, I'm i and as usual I'm kind of done, but I'm kind of like still tinkering with the presentation. And that's a very dangerous thing because when you tinker, it's like, oh, I could add more. I just, I did the comic book movies one where I had like 80 slides for an hour flip. talk. And honestly, we had, I watched trailers that were three minutes, had to cut it off after one until it got to the good scene or something like that. Right. And I just, I motor mouth through it. That is probably, I'm going to have to, if I do this again, if split that into two because there's a whole difference just like there is in comic book history with early versus modern you know when they when they finally made it to superman you'll believe a man can fly there's a whole different complexion to the movies stemming after that yeah so anyway yeah. anyway um, and well speaking of that uh we are going to the cincinnati rg i'm doing two talks i'm doing the one for parents uh about the future work skills for their kids okay. and then i'm doing my first uh story for video games uh workshop and seeing Good how that you, goes man. So yeah, so, it'll be the test bed. <laughs> yeah, we we still haven't signed up and probably won't because they don't have a vaccination mandate. And right. just it's not only about my safety, it's kind of like I want to go to a place that thinks the right way. And sorry, organizers of the RG, I I just don't agree. And I, my yeah, I get that. Disagreeing means you lose my presence. I, I just can't do it yet. There, there, it. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm debating games. Uh, you know, because that's that's right. the big thing. Um, and we'll probably be wearing that's my masks biggest story is not just going there, it's sitting in a room, touching all the game pieces, it's right. sitting there at a table talking and having to remove your mask for food. I haven't found a mask yet that allows me to, you know, jam things through the fabric. So I I don't know, man. I'm still I'm I, and I, and I, I totally get you. You can currently get. I I hope that all is well. Yeah, I, I kind of I, I kind of, I might get boosted and I don't want to do uh, that to her either. I, I, I might be a little too cavalier about it, but I figure, okay, I went to Salem and I'm about to go to New Orleans at Halloween. So what's the RG in Cincinnati going to do? Yeah, uh, I, that's, you know, you're but, probably right. You know what I mean? That whatever the people who will attend and whatever from all around the country kind of a thing, it's a different concentration in Cincinnati than it was yeah. in Salem or it would be in New Orleans. Yeah. So, but who knows? Right. I could come back from New Orleans and catch something and change my thinking i totally yeah, I you know say, please don't we no don't no i don't, don't want to give it to you right yeah exactly oh my god i got cybernetic covid oh no <laughs> oh don't say that now somebody's <laughs> going to do a movie we're, we're going to get cybernetic covid next exactly. halloween all right man you take care right. take care always pleasure later you have been listening to the relentless geekery podcast come back next week and join alan and steven's conversation on geek topics of the week